This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Do you notice the minutia details in everyday life? For example, have you ever recognized the way that other people hold their cell phones? If you do, your mind works similar to that of Jeffrey Nicholson, the CEO and co-founder of Tracer. This level of attention to detail has helped him throughout his career, particularly when it comes to picking up some of the latest trends, which he told me about in this episode of Marketing Trends. I start with natural curiosity. I still to this day will do my own research and Google brands and go through their experiences and understand what other people go through. What's fascinating when you look at the consumer research on people use eight apps or less, their very specific behaviors. I used to look at people's phones and you can tell very quickly just on their layout how they operate with phone position and thumb position. You have to start with curiosity around no matter who you are from analyst all the way to CEO, like you've got to know what's going on. Under the tutelage of media giant Gary Vaynerchuk at VaynerMedia, Jeff and his co-founder, Leighton Welch, built Tracer with the plan to launch it separately once the development was complete. Leighton developed the structure of the software while Jeff was operating the customer-facing side, servicing Vayner clients and using the software. VaynerMedia is still a client of Tracer and more companies every day are realizing the value it offers in solving some complex data equations. I'm excited for you to glean some real nuggets of wisdom from this marketing leader. Up next on Marketing Trends. Hey, everybody, this is Jeremy. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host. Super stoked to have a true legend on the podcast today. We've got Jeff Nicholson, CEO and co-founder of Tracer. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. Dude, I'm super stoked to have you. I do want to brag on you a little bit because I love your background, brother. So I just want to give people a little more context. I know that our audience is made up of a lot of executive leaders kind of across the Fortune 500 and beyond. And I think, man, your background's super fascinating. So I want to give a little more color. And I'm sure we may talk about some of this stuff too. But for everybody listening, check out the badassery that is Jeff Nicholson. Okay, so this dude has been in the media and tech space for over 15 years. Before he joined Tracer, he was first the chief media officer at VaynerMedia, where he spent five years scaling that business globally. Um, He's also served as the head of ads at Social Code, which was the largest spending agency on Facebook in North America. Prior to that, the homie was a VP of ads at Lead Karma, which sold to Bankrate for a measly $30 million. Congrats (laughs) on that, dude. Thank you. Currently, he sits on the board of some really small companies you may have heard of, like Roku, 
Pinterest next door. He somehow has time to teach at universities, including Babson College, NYU Stern School of Business, University of Virginia, and let's not stop there, Miami Ad School. Jeff, you may be one of the biggest ballers we've spoken to, and I'm honored, man. Glad you're here, dude. Wow. I mean, I need you to come to all my meetings and introduce me because <laughs> I'm now embarrassed. So I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Let's start at the beginning, man. On these shows, we're so honored because we get to have some truly brilliant folks you know, across the Fortune 500 and interesting brands. I do love your background. When I see a guy like you who's done and doing some really incredible things, I got to know where it started. I got to know, was marketing the thing that first kind of grabbed your attention? If it was, what was the brand? What was the beginning of this interest in tech and entrepreneurship and marketing? Where did that begin for you? Yeah, I'd say two things I always kind of remember. Always been an entrepreneur my whole life from an early age. And I sold lobsters as a kid. So my dad scuba dived, would catch him with his hands, bring him home on Sundays. And long story short, I convinced him that I got to sell half of them to the neighbors for discounted prices because I was, I was mad at him for giving them away, right? I'm at the supermarket and I realized it's $8 for a pound. And I'm like, dad's giving them away for free. I'm like, there's a game here. And so I think early on, I just always love finding that as a, as a kind of business student of the world. And then from a brand perspective, you know, I took marketing in college, but even before just like being a basketball player, like Nike was huge. You watch some of your heroes represent these brands and how much of an impact it had on me and, you know, even tops and trading baseball cards and stuff like that. So I think early on, I just always had an appreciation for how brands created love and experiences in the world. So you're from Maine? Uh, I'm from Boston, North Shore. You're from Boston. Okay, got it. From Beantown. Awesome. And you know, you said Nike, which that's the one for me. For me, it was the Just Do It campaign that really struck me. Even as a kid in the 90s, I was like, oh my God, there's something incredible about that campaign, which is still powerful to this day. So kind of fast forwarding to today, how do you approach marketing? What's kind of your view of this really interesting landscape that seems to change a lot? What's your kind of perspective on how you approach it as a leader and as a brand? I start with natural curiosity. I still, to this day, will do my own research and Google brands and go through their experiences and understand what other people go through. When you look at the consumer research on people use eight apps or less, their very specific behaviors. You know, I used to look at people's phones and you can tell very quickly just on their layout how they operate with phone position and, you know, and thumb position. And so I think, you know, you have to start with curiosity around no matter who you are from analysts all the way to CEO, like you've got to know what's going on. The second thing I try to think about is what I'm trying to achieve with the brand or the agency or the partner and putting myself in their shoes and what they deal with, right? If you're a publicly traded company, Fortune 100, you have procurement teams, you have operational processes, you can, you can only move so fast based on the rules of your you know, engagement. And then flip side, you might have a, a small tier brand and they're willing to test and it's, you know, how do I drive value early? So you're gaining reputation for them in confidence because every dollar that they spend is like their life. So if you strike out for them, like it's really hard to get a second try. And I think you have to you know, put yourself in their shoes and understand what mutual partnership means. And then the last thing is thinking about how do you invoke the feeling that you'd like. I am curious about the VaynerMedia experience. You know, So when you joined, was it early days VaynerMedia when you joined? On the media team, I think there was only 15 people that I ended up kind of managing and inheriting. And you know, shout out to Chris and, and Jason, who were my guys, and they really helped me out. But I think we were very early as a media team to start to have the same size scale of what Gary had already built in the creative was kind of the pitch, right? Like have, have the ability to match media investment with creative because they go hand in hand. It's like a marriage. So if you're not aligned in that framework, then you're going to have a hard time being successful. 
And so, you know, I had a lot of work to do to catch up to what they had already built, but it was a early days and then grow from there. VaynerMedia was a really formative time for you. And then obviously I want to get into Tracer as well, but what prepped you for being able to jump into VaynerMedia, get on a small team and then really grow that and become the chief media officer? Comfort with a, an evolving process and, and consistently changing space was one of the things I learned early on in running ads. You know, you go from Google to Yahoo to Bing, and then all of a sudden you're running emails. I think the comfort of that over many years makes it easier to be a leader because you're just dealing with something that you've never dealt with. Like I always joke, like I've never done my job before. And that's new for me all the time as you move forward. So I think that level of comfort over just years of running ads and, and being in the space helps. I think two was lead karma. It was my really chance to, to run a business where I was controlling a large aspect of our success and failure. And you know, I was very good friends to this day with my boss, Akshay Patel. And I think our comfort with each other, but his trust in me to like really say, hey, we're going to win and lose on what your strategy is. And, and that was a big deal because you start building up wins. And then I think you feel more confident, obviously, as you move forward. Obviously, you probably get this question a lot, but I am curious, what are some of the things you appreciate and you know, were challenged by working with Gary? It's amazing. I mean, first and foremost, like he's better than what people even think. The guy is so smart. He understands power operates at a level that you know I still aspire to. And so I learned a lot from him and, and I'm very appreciative of what he's done for my career. I think you know him and I would both say this, like we're both sales guys who love to know our space and, and want to compete. And so like, you know, he's a great challenge for me in regards to like my career and where I want to push towards in a lot of ways. And so I think it was just really, really valuable for me to, to learn from him and, and have the experience to watch how he operates. Was there a lot of direct and indirect coaching mentorship on just being a CEO? Because look, you know, it's, it's a major difference, as you know, going from leading media team at the highest level, of course, working with some amazing brands, but then you crossed over to be the CEO. And as you know, it's a full contact sport and it's such an interesting world. Were you watching him in that role and really did that? Yeah, I'd say both. I'd, I'd say both. Okay. I mean, just watching someone that closely, like I spent so much time with him and so many years, I think, you know, you just get to pick up a lot of what you want to be as a leader and, and you get to learn from his experiences and even how he handles the team and how he talks publicly and the cadence of messaging. All of those dynamics are very important to learn. And, you know, he does a great job of that. Obviously, it was a huge following both internally and externally of the companies. And then I think, him and I always had the game plan, right? Early on when, when I pitched him for Vayner, like the goal was to incubate Tracer. Like Tracer started day one when I joined Vayner as an incubated engineering team. And a lot of people don't know that. And it was the whole game plan was to move on in a good way. And I had to earn that. The thing Gary and I talked about, I, I felt like we hit a lot of the milestones together. I thought the team was an amazing place and, and they could do a, a good job without me in a good way. And I get to take on a new challenge. So I think it was nice that we knew what we were doing. And, and he was very, again, valuable and, and helpful and hopefully being a, a solid first-time CEO. Yeah, because I saw that First Tracer was kind of more in stealth mode. So was it just a tool that you used internally or was it a tool that was used for some of the brands that VaynerMedia was working with? Yeah, so we use it internally at the agency on behalf of the clients for their benefit. But I was, the only current client was Vayner. We went three years in stealth on purpose. Wow. Okay. What was that like? Stressful. You know, I, I always joke with my business partner, Layton, who is a CTO, my co-founder, and one of my best friends. You know, I always was jealous in a lot of ways because he, you know, he was spending more, more time and I was spending more time on Vayner. And I loved Vayner and then the experience that I wouldn't train that for the world. But it was also Tracer was like my baby of an idea in a lot of ways. And so I spent very little time early on and kudos to him for running the business. And then later shifted and it's an exciting new challenge. It was tough. It was tough not to talk about it, to be honest. 
So why three years in stealth? Was that actual like part of the plan? Like just curious about why three years? The plan was just to get to a point of of two things. One, feeling like we really solved the problem and added value to Vayner at a at a large scale. And two, becoming commercially viable to handle some of the biggest brands on the planet. I think when you're in the business intelligence space and data processing, you can't start at the top of the food chain and not have your shit together. I had a lot of respect for that because I know how complicated the problem we were attacking is. And there is no perfect solution still, but you know, you try to get better every day. And I wanted to make sure that we felt like we were confident we could deliver. And we started getting opportunities through our relationship with Vayner where brands wanted more. And that was kind of the sign for me where I really think we're ready to kind of graduate and go to the next level. Yeah. What was some of the things that were happening there towards the end of the three years where you're like, okay, like we've got something here? This I've actually never told before, but again, he's going to love this when he watches this is Jason Lohr. He's head of you know clients and strategy at, at Tracer now, but he was a former client and he ran Inspire Brands, which is a large scale restaurant group and you know spends hundreds of millions of dollars um, across a variety of brands. And we worked with him through Sonic and he saw what we were doing. We met, he appreciated, he understood how complex the problem is. He's a veteran in the space with you know 20 plus years experience. And not only was he appreciative of what we were doing, he wanted more. And then the second aspect of the story is he now works at Tracer because he was so pumped with the mission and what we were trying to achieve. What outcome had he achieved or what was the, the big thing that they realized they could use it for that helped their brand? I think two things. One, just the simplicity of, of how we worked and, and delivering value compared to like how much pain it was for their previous process. Right. A lot of times I joke like, okay, it took 10 steps and you can move to two and it goes from two weeks to 10 minutes. That's a big deal because in any space, the number one cost is, is your employees. And so if you can remove that friction and make people's easier, you know, lives easier, I think that was the big win and just kind of like how we were solving the problem. And I think the second piece was just how approachable you are in partnership. You know, we still run the business to this day where we try to have a partnership for sales orientation and, and make sure that we're picking partners for mutual value that appreciate what we're doing. And, and we appreciate their business very much as well. I love that. What's your perspective now on recruiting and building effective teams, especially in such a fast moving space and business intelligence is so interesting and so important. What's kind of your approach, I guess, high level now of like building effective teams and moving at a fast pace that you've been doing? Yeah. So I talk about this in a lot. I'm a big believer in talent and making sure that talent breeds talent. And I think about it as a pyramid. And typically you're starting with your co-founders, right? So the top of the food chain in regards to how your pyramid is shaped. But the reality is that every level of that pyramid is imperative to your success of your business. And I'm a big basketball guy. So it's like, if you have a team, like you need a power forward, you need a shooting guard, you need everybody to have the different skill sets that's going to be complementary to make you to win. So you're a good communicating and functioning team. And that falls on everybody. So, you know, we promote at the company, for example, like large scale referrals internally as rewards because recruiting is expensive. And we want people to bring in other people because likely they're going to recommend someone who's great because they want to work with other great people. So we really try to keep simple about it. And I think the other thing is time investment. I've spent probably more time than, than most of the people I know in regards to just recruiting and retention because I do believe that people are the difference between winning and losing. Do you find that you guys hire slower or faster compared to other brands or places you've worked before? I'd probably say slightly slower especially when you're early at a company, I think it depends on the stage and you kind of mature as a business. You know, at Vayner early on, I was slower and then you move faster when you get better at evaluation and you have more trust and more managers. So I, I really think about it as that pyramid, as you, as you get bigger, you should get faster. But, you know, I'd probably say I'm slightly slower than the average 
because we'll go through more rounds. I want to make sure I have a very good feel for what you're doing, why you're doing it, what's your motivation, how do you gel with the team, you know, what do you bring to the table, along with just being aligned with our values, which is, you know, kind of a table stakes in our opinion. And then I think the other thing is just making sure that everybody invests time, not only you, but your entire management team needs to understand that that's their responsibility as well to, to continue to build below them. I'd love for you to think of your time at Tracer. You could include the stealth years and even to now, but really reflect on what's been your, your most challenging day. And then also what's been your best day? Worst day I can remember was something like six years ago. I actually had skin cancer, which was not very fun. Oh, so I was wow. already having a, yeah, like, which was brutal as a young dad. And we had lost a piece of business. And I remember sitting in my, my office and I had my pillow because I was like really suffering from the surgery. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. I looked like an idiot. And we had lost a piece of business. And I knew a lot of it was honestly on. I should have been more proactive in fixing problems that I should have seen. And I was mad at myself. And I thought the team did a great job. And I was so pissed because we were on such a winning streak that I felt like we dinged our momentum which didn't end up happening. But I remember being like, that was like one of my absolute low points in probably the last, I don't know, half decade. Best day, I'd probably say a few, but I, I'd say one of the most exciting days I had was we actually ran the first ever ad on Snapchat's API. And so that was a pretty cool story where I was, I was late. Layton's waiting for me, the whole team standing around the computer and I'm running. I'm like running. I'm sweating profusely from a previous meeting. And I remember walking in and everybody was stoked and we pressed the button together. And I was like, wow, I'm like, I'm going to remember that one for a long time. So that was pretty cool. How would you say that you've really evolved as a leader over time? I would definitely say I've gotten more patience than I previously had because it's definitely not my forte. So I'm not saying I'm good at it, but maybe I've gotten slightly better. Two, I think I've gotten more caring. I think as you get older and become a dad, you, you care even more because you realize the young people, especially who work for you, you know, their parents are terrified for them in some cases when you're, you know, an entry level or, or whatnot. So I think I'm just more caring in general. And then I think I'm probably just happier, you know, as a leader, I think it's, it's stressful early. I think people underestimate how difficult it is to be responsible for other human beings as an early manager. I got some good advice some bad advice and you're, you're just learning on the fly. And I think, now I feel a lot more comfort in being a leader and dealing with things that you can just enjoy more. Do you still go to places or people for marketing inspiration? What does that look like for you to kind of stay at the top of your game when it comes to marketing? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I have a, I have a crew of friends who are in the space who I consider you know, very close to me and, and we'll chop it up go sit down and have lunch and, and just talk about what's going on and people's opinions. Cause I, I love to, you know, have healthy debate. It's one of my favorite things. And I think the, the other one is just being challenged to help other businesses. Like it's why I like being on the advisory boards. I think they're looking for honest feedback on different perspectives and you get really interesting debates on, on how the world works and, and what people should invest in. And, and you can learn a lot from it too, just as a co-founder, it's, it's nice to watch other people operate and, and take things from them. Yeah, I'm curious about that. You know, sitting on the board of Roku, Pinterest, Nextdoor, are there common themes across those three brands that are linked in some of the things that you're learning and doing at Tracer? Or is it really all different a la carte as you sit at some of these boards? I think it's for Tracer, it's always valuable. I try to be as knowledgeable in the space as possible. And again, when you're dealing with everyone's data from revenue to consumer data to whatever it may be, the more you know, the better because the problem gets infinitely harder every day. And then I think the thing I 
find theme in is just learning from other people. You know, I really try to be a sponge and watching how other people operate. Like Sarah Fryer is the CEO of Nextdoor and I'm amazed by her. I think she's truly like one of the best leaders I've seen. And obviously I talked about Gary. And so one of the things I try to take from those meetings is just how people operate, how they curate a room, what questions they ask. And, and that's very exciting to watch and, and learn and, and, you know, adopt. Where, in your opinion, should modern marketing leaders be focusing on improving their skill sets? I think really diving into the product and really understanding at a deep level what the experience is, how it operates. Like a lot of people think about, you know, investment decisions and, you know, it's an easy example of like platforms operate differently and how many do you train on and why? How many do you aggregate at the second level with a DSP? How are you transacting in an IO-based world? Those dynamics of, of making sure you just know how they work and what works together and, and why and asking the right questions and, and spending more time probably on the technology side is I think one of the biggest advantages you can have as a growing marketer in today's world. The title of this show is Marketing Trends, right? So we, we'd love to look at kind of, there's a lot of trends out there. Of course, I'm just curious of some of the things that maybe you're paying attention to, AI, machine learning, things like that. Are there trends that you're implementing, studying, curious about? Yeah, I mean, the first one is definitely crypto and NFTs. I got my crypto punk right there. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. I'm a huge believer in the space. I think it's it's fascinating to watch and how it's changing, not only how people think about art in a digital era, but also how they transact in different categories, you know, and it's becoming mainstream. And, and I think it's very exciting to watch and super fun. Let's get into Tracer a bit because it's a super interesting company in technology. Tell us about Tracer. Tell us how it works. Tell us what kind of brands are really starting to see the value in it. Because we have a lot of CMOs across massive, big and small, but mostly within the kind of the Fortune 100, 500 space. Tell us about Tracer. Yeah. So we're a business intelligence platform. And how I explain it to people is we solve their data equations. If you think about a small scale e-com company, they're likely spending on Facebook and Google, plus they're using Shopify, and maybe they're advertising on Pinterest. And so those four companies don't talk to each other. And everyone has a different return on ad spend. So we try to take those equations and take those data sets that are imperative to your business, put them together, automate the process, and then try to drive answers, right? Being an engine for answers. What's going on with my business? Where is my money? Who is performing best for me? What is my best product? All of those dynamics. And we solve those equations, both at small scale for e-com companies that probably are $5 million in run rate and above to large-scale Fortune 100s and Sanofi Pharmaceutical would be one that you know, I had a call earlier, so it's on the top of my head. But you know, they're a large-scale publicly traded pharmaceutical company that has an extremely complex data equation, right? They have multiple brands. They play in a regulated industry. You have a variety of sets of data from consumer data to cost data to verification data to revenue coming from a multitude of sources across multiple regions, multiple agencies. And so we try to make that process more streamlined. And there is no simple answer to those equations. It's how effectively can you do it and how quickly you can swim upstream. Is velocity really the, the big play here? Is just how fast you can help brands? Is that the big, the big marker? I think it's two things. I think one, it's actually how you set up your partnerships. A lot of the companies, when you start to think about their relationships between platforms and agencies or whatever may be in the space, procurement plays a huge role that I don't think people give enough credit to. And so I think if you set it up for mutual success around a cost structure that is mutually beneficial, that is honestly one of the biggest things you can think about when you're providing a service that's replacing other things or is a cost reduction or a value increase. 
And so having an appreciation for what you're doing for their business model and having that feel fair and long-term, I do think is more important than anything else in our space because you have to have trust and reliability in, in your partners. The second thing is speed in regards to how quickly can you solve some of the problems. We call them value thresholds, where you're not solving every problem they have. But if you hit the first three in you know 90 days or six months, and they go, wow, this is like a different planet, then you get a lot more at-bats later on to create more value. Can you be a little more specific and give an example of a brand that you solved a problem for? I'll use Sanofi. If you think about how they operate as a business and you have multiple agencies, the aggregation of data ends up falling on you. And then you have to staff that likely with humans in Excel, right? Our number of competitors, humans excel them across every business category. And so at some point in the process, that is extremely inefficient and it is cost prohibitive because again, humans are the the highest cost structure. So if you can give that person's time back in not processing a data for 30 hours a week, right? We have agencies where you can save them 30 hours a week across five people. That's a lot of money. And so that's kind of the simple equation when you look at human capital and you compare yourself to that, like they're not going to outperform technology or why continues to eat different sectors of business. But that doesn't mean you take those humans and fire them. It's actually you repurpose them to drive value on, on top. And your workforce gets better because they're not doing mundane tasks. They're thinking about what's next in regards to what decision do I need to make? What audience is working for me? Uh, what state should I launch a store in? All of those things come from the data that you're already seeing from your business. You have this amazing marketing, media, leadership background. You're now sitting at the helm of Tracer. You are kind of at this intersection of product and finance and marketing and operations. And what is it like to kind of sit at that intersection? Because there's obviously a lot happening and you've got to be innovating. You've got to be a few steps ahead of some of these competitors in your space. But for you, with your experience, I see you as kind of at this trailhead of all these things in the business of you know finance, product, marketing, operations, like how do you view being at that position? Uh, slightly stressful. No, um, <laughs> I would say, you know, it's first, it's a privilege. You know, I really love my job and, and the opportunities that I get. And it's a lot of fun. So I, I try to keep reminding myself out of every day. And then I think the second one is it reminds me to be focused, just be simple in regards to what you do attack and how you grow and, and appreciate the process as you, as you continue to proceed. But be defendable. Defendability is is my biggest thing in business because you can get swallowed very easily. And I think you can establish that across a variety of different things, people, process, product, but you have to have defendability as you grow at different stages of your business. How do you continue to think about innovating and keeping Tracer on the cutting edge of marketing? Healthy paranoia, as I call it. You know, number one, I, I care deeply. You know, it's my favorite thing. I, I mean, I also have my logo tattooed on her arm. Like I got the Tracer logo. I mean, I'm I'm invested. So it's fun for me. I I spend a lot of time on it because I care and I want to win. And honestly, I think the other thing is just I want to make sure I, I don't let anybody else down on the team. It's an easy motivation to keep yourself motivated to make sure that we make the right decisions and spend as much time as I can researching and recruiting and and doing the things that I can be, to be a better leader. At some level, I'm thinking, how does he have the time to do all this stuff? You're a dad. <laughs> You're a CEO, you teach, you're on the board, on the multiple boards. And so how does being a dad, how does teaching and kind of having close contact to this upcoming generation of entrepreneurs really mold your perspective kind of as you grow, Tracer, and grow grow yourself as a leader? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest reasons I actually started teaching was because I became a dad and I appreciated how much it means to invest in someone else's education because... Again, as a young dad who had cancer, you know, I was worried about who's going to teach my kids. 
And so it's one of the reasons I play in the education space and make sure that like you invest on younger generations getting better and better and more educated. And access information is huge. I got lucky to go to Babson, but I walked in and I had never taken economics class. I went to public high school. They didn't even teach that. I was terrified. And so like, I think all of those kind of different scenarios made me want to go back and, and teach and appreciate that that's someone else's son or child and make sure that like you're investing in their chance to be successful. That is a good reminder on just dealing with anybody. What do you teach on? What do you talk about when you teach? Mostly marketing, just business. I'll just go through research examples and show people, you know, how you can think about consumer experience and just ask the kids, what do you want to talk about? And they'll pick like a clothing company or whatever brand they pick. And I'll walk through, everyone take out your phone, search these three keywords. Do you think they presented themselves well? And really show people how to think about what they do as daily habits differently because those things are driving success or failure. We've covered some awesome ground. I love this. Is there something you want to make sure we touch on with your experience or with Tracer? I mean, honestly, you know, if I can help anybody, I'm here to have a conversation. I always try to, to make sure that like Tracer first and foremost is, is trying to drive value for partners. And, and that's what I'd want to get on the Tracer side. And then honestly, I'm just super appreciative of you guys having me. Um, very enjoyable conversation. Fantastic. So you heard it, folks. Tracer is growing, they're hiring. You may have to be a badass if you work there. I just have a hunch. You might have to be a badass, but if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. So how do folks get in touch with you or, or find out about the opportunities? Jeff at tracer.tech. Okay. Jeff at tracer.tech. Yep. Cool. So Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. First question. We have Jeff Nicholson, CEO, co-founder of Tracer a tremendous baller in every category. Jeff, might be the most important question, Celtics question. Who is the best Celtic of all time? Larry Bird, Paul Pierce. Where will Jason Tatum finish in the discussion? Wow. Uh, I'm going Larry Bird and Kevin McHale close second because that's my guy. And then I think Tatum will finish top five. Okay. I love that question, Aaron, and I love you. Second question, what is one marketing channel, TV, direct mail, et cetera, that you could live without? I'm going to go snail mail because I literally do not open it and I find it absolutely ridiculous. Mm, interesting answer. Okay. But it does still work, by the way. So I'm not saying it's not effective. I'm just saying personally. Would you tell us a story about your CryptoPunks NFT tattoo? Uh, yeah. Shout out to Gary uh, and his brother, AJ. They hit me up. There was a huge conversation about it. Gary was very hot on it. And uh, AJ actually helped me facilitate along with my buddy, Jeremy, my purchase because I was having a literally a digital wallet problem at the time. And I was freaking out. And then AJ actually facilitated the buy on my behalf. So really appreciate both of them for doing that. And I'm, uh, I'm very stoked about it. Nice. If you weren't in marketing, what would you be doing? I'd be a marine biologist. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, who is one of the most fun people you've ever played in golf? My business partner, Layton. Nice. Awesome. We have to play some time by the way, because I love the game. Always welcome. All right. Favorite band or artist? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go current is Zach Brown Band. I'm, I'm addicted lately, so we'll go with them. Although I actually, all time, I'd say Rufus. Best advice for a first-time CEO? I would say trust your gut. Love it. And I'm going to take this question from Tim Ferriss because I like it. If you could put a billboard around the US, what would your billboard say? Thank you to anyone who helped me. 
Love it. Jeff, such an honor to have you on the show, dude. Like incredible, incredible conversation. This is one that I want to like put a semicolon in and then have you back on maybe in six months or a year, dude, because we'd love to kind of stay, keep track of seeing what you're up to and in the space, man. Super inspiring, man. You dropped the mic several times during this conversation, <laughs> dude, and it was really an honor. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.